Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. This is the build-up with Balls.ie in partnership with Labrooks. Wherever week we bring you through the big sporting events of the upcoming weekend with our special guest and our special guest returning to the show after basically taking Euro 2020 off. Uh, because we were so busy talking uh, to Kevin Doyle and Gabriel Bonahor every day about Euro 2020, is Stephen Ferris. Stephen, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Mick. I've just went and got myself an office. I'm just, you know, I've taken this to a new level. Um, instead of just sitting in the kitchen with the kitchen cupboards behind me, I started to make an effort. So, uh, no, looking forward to, to the chat, Mick. I suppose it's been a crazy couple of weeks with the British mm-hmm. Maris Lions. So, uh, I'm sure we'll get stuck into a wee bit of that over the next 10 or 15 minutes. Absolutely, yeah. It's not all since you to you last. I love the, I like, I love the, uh, the uh, frame over the, over the head there. Uh, is there any in particular jersey? Um, is it um, from your career? Is it a specific one? Yeah, hundredth cap actually against ah, Munster. Very good. So yeah, there's a few pictures, and then the, um, what do you call it? Match day program. Uh, my, my mind's working now. The match day program of that, and me in the front of the match day program. So, no, it's good to have a couple of bits of memorabilia. The wife doesn't like too much up in the house. <laughs> uh, she's like, Stevie, this isn't a shrine. Do you like? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, I have only a couple of bits and pieces. About it. But yeah, with the the office set up, I decided to put something up. I might change it for next week. Yeah, yeah, just have something new there every week and see if anybody <laughs> notice. That'll be the way to go. What have we made of the of the line so far? It all kicked off a little bit last night when South Africa A borderline put out a Springbok team. We bet we kind of had maybe nine or ten test starters off both teams playing, and it was interesting. And the the the, the South Africa um, won. Gatlin didn't seem too worried afterwards, but just even overall, since you know, with what's going on in South Africa, with the COVID stuff, with everything else, how have you kind of has it has it in any way left you cold? I suppose as we kind of um, still a week and a half out from the first test. Um, do you know what? The, the first couple of weeks, I just thought it was all a bit of a nonsense. Um, the way that it sort of panned out with the COVID cases coming out, and I know like. Everybody's given their opinion and their tuppence worth of what should happen to the tour and what way it should go and should it be brought over to the UK and should it be finished out and, and everything else. But I think for me at the start of the tour when all this was happening was the player safety. Um, you know, people coming down with COVID. We're not really 100% sure of the long-term effects of COVID. Um, we've all heard about it, long COVID. What exactly does that mean? Um, and when you hear of the professional rugby players getting uh, testing positive, then of course your mind starts to wonder, Mick, and you're starting to go, geez, I hope they're going to be okay and everything else. And then in South Africa, it's it's very different on the ground to what it is here uh, in terms of the cases. And I know the hospitals and everything on the ground over there are really struggling. And you know the pandemic seems to be in full flow over there, Mick. We're here. We we there's this feeling amongst everybody that we're sort of on our way out of it. So yeah, I think in in terms of Leave the rugby aside, Mick. Um, I think there was a part of me that wanted the tour to be either cancelled or postponed or you know just moved away so everybody could get themselves fit and healthy and then restart the tour. But fair play to everybody, um, all the, the management, the coaches and staff of, of, of each of the South African team and the British and Irish Lions team. Everybody at the minute seems fairly fit and healthy. Now this could change tomorrow. 
or yeah. as, as you and I both know, but at the minute it looks a hell of a lot better compared to where it was a week, 10 days ago. Um, and if they can maintain that, then hopefully we'll have a competitive Lion series, which kicks off next Saturday. And, um, you know, we're all thoroughly looking forward to that. Yeah, and I suppose last night's game did add a lot to that in terms of um, feeling more like a real tour. You know, and I, it's not as if they don't always have the warm-up games where they win by 50 points, but I think with everything hanging over it, there was nothing to really grab the attention, whereas last night's game really did. What did you make of it? It was like it was some very hard-hitting stuff, the South Africans reminding us, I suppose, of this Springbok team that we haven't seen really since the 2019 World Cup final and thinking, like, this isn't going to be an easy <laughs> three tests for the Lions by any means. No, not at all. And it's uh, it's funny, like, when you read through social media, you know, especially over the last couple of weeks, the Lions have put uh, the Sigma Lions and the Sharks to the sword. Um, I know the Sharks held in there for a half a rugby against them, but, you know, they've been destroying everything in front of them. And they've got the Stormers this weekend, and they'll probably rack up another 30 or 40 uh, points uh, in that game, but when it came to the crunch uh, against a pretty good South African side, they went into their shells a little bit in the first 20 minutes. I really think that the South African brutality and physical aggression that they showed um, caught them cold, um, and they weren't ready for it. And the, you know, two, three, four men gang tackles uh, didn't matter if they were leaving themselves short in the defensive line; they just wanted to win the game line and win the collisions. And they did that for large parts of the game. Um, and I was very, very impressed. Of course, they were going to run out of steam. Of course, they were going to kick, start kicking the ball and try and close the game out. It was always going to happen, uh, especially playing with you know, for, for 10 minutes with 13 men. Uh, you know, it was going to be inevitable that it was going to happen. But fair play. It was a really good, uh, for me, it was a test match, the, the physicality that was shown. And... After the game, I feel like it was much more beneficial to the South Africans than to the Lions because they got a good head out. They got a win. You know, everything's um, hunky dory in their camp now. They're 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 moving forward. They've got the momentum with them. The fans now are realizing that uh, you know their their squad's healthy and, and and they're moving in the right direction. Razzie Erasmus, water boy or not a water boy, he didn't seem to be carrying <laughs> water, but he was there giving them messages. Their set piece specifically, their mall looked pretty good. I know the Lions disrupted their scrum a few times, but uh, the South African team have got a couple of pretty good props to come in um, and sort that out next weekend. But yeah, it, it was a great game, brilliant game, very, very tight. The Lions switched their, their mindset in the second half, didn't just try and take them on up front and run into brick walls. They kicked the ball a hell of a lot more, got a bit of change out of that. And if you can remember back to the Rugby World Cup semi-final. That's the tactics that Wales employed and they got so much change out of it and could actually won that semi-final against um, you know, the World Cup winner South Africa. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. Get the Stormers over with and then it's all guns blazing for the Test match, Mick. Yeah, absolutely. wonder what you think in terms of kind of what Gatland will have learned um, from yesterday personnel-wise because, you know, if you look even... In the second row, I think we would have all kind of said coming into it that, you know, not realising that Alan Jones was on his way back, that, you know, you're talking about who's going to play beside Ian Henderson. In my head, anyway, you know, and it's like, Will Marrow told you re- 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 rediscover that form of 2019. And then you play at these test match level, as you said, and against the incredibly physical South Africans and you see Maro Otoji being back to what he was and maybe Henderson not having that kind of game in a tighter 
um, environment. And then that, then you start asking the question of like, you know, is Gatling going to be taking a lot more from what we saw last night than he will from the overall tour together? And I'm not, I don't mean to single out Ian Henderson. It's just, I suppose there's, there's a worry there for me as it's a, an Irish starter in the test team. And suddenly you've got Jones back. You've got a Toji in form. You've got the likes of um, Adam Baird coming off the bench and having a, a stormer in the exact way that a second row will have to have against the Springboks in terms of countermalling and defence and in the tight locking, basically. But he has to, Mick. He has to because the level of competition is so much higher against the South African A team or South African yeah. Fox, whatever you, you want to call that side. Like, you know, again, the, the Tom Curry... Um, you know, Watson debate there as well. Mm-hmm. Hamish Watson, um, a few other players, Owen Farrell that played brilliantly in this last match, but when it went up another level, is he at the um, is he the, the the 10 to take this team forward? In my opinion, at the minute, off the back of that performance, probably not. And like, I was on the phone to a good friend of mine, Mark Robson, who does a lot of commentary, as you know, on, on, on all the games. and watches every single minute of every single rugby match. And the question that I asked him, we were chatting about second rows, Mick, and the question I said was, what does Ian Henderson give you that Adam Beard doesn't, that Johnny Hill doesn't, and that Alaman Jones doesn't? And he said, well, you know, maybe a little bit of footwork, you know, before contact. And I said, yeah, but like a little bit of footwork before contact against the Russian defences, gang tackling two, three, four-man tackles, you know, it's, it's, it's probably not going to mean anything. So, like, I think Handy now is is going to find it really tough to break into the test team um, just off the back of that performance. Um, he didn't, do you know what, Mick? He didn't play badly. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, we're critiquing him here and, and sort of picking holes in his performance, but that's what you got to do now at this at this level. And it's only a um, you know a week and a half away from a test match. Is you know what guys did stand up to the 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 Etzebes and, and the Mustards, you know, who really put it to them. And you can say, I told you did. I know I told you gave away a couple of silly penalties, um, especially the one at the end. Um, for me, it was definitely in at the side all day all day long, even though Nigel Owens and Condry said it wasn't. For me, it definitely was a penalty. So so Hendy now finds himself in a, in a position where a week ago we were singing his praises, thinking he was going to start. And now... You know, Adam Baird comes on and, and plays brilliantly well. And, you know, if Johnny Hill goes well this weekend and Alan jones the tour captain, lands back in South Africa, surely he has to be involved in the match day 23 in some shape or form. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how quickly things can turn, Mick, in the space of only a few days from game to game. Yeah, absolutely. The centre then, I suppose, is the other thing that I, I would consider wide open. I think if we talked... Four weeks ago, we would have said it's Robbie Henshaw plus one. Then Robbie Henshaw misses four games. It is good to see him named on Saturday's team. Gatlin said if he was a push, he could have made it last night, but what's the point in risking it? So, you know, you have to think he's going to be back. Um, we'll see how he gets on on Saturday. But who's, if then, who is playing alongside him? Is is on Farrell, are they going to play two out halves? Probably unlikely at this stage, you would think. Then Harris... I don't think had the greatest game last night. Bundiaki has played in every game so far, and Elliot Daly is obviously a favourite of um, of, of Gatlin's, and, and you know played well when he came on on the wing last night. But I, who is? I suppose it's the most. I don't know. I don't ever remember seven whatever it is nine days out from a Lions Test match where you have an entire part of the field where it's just up in the air. We don't have a clue what's going to happen. Yeah. Is uh, is Brown or Driscoll fit? <laughs> <laughs> Get him out there. 
it, nobody's sort of grabbed a 12 and 13 jersey. I think Bundy's been consistent enough. Um, like, slipped off a few tackles in the, in the Lions game when he played. Um, again, I would love to be talking about guys in the centre who have went out there and really seized their opportunity. And, and, and none of them really have. I'm, I'm super excited to see how Robbie Henshaw goes this week. I think his performances during the Six Nations, he was a, an absolute boulder for the tour and probably a boulder to start uh, the, the first Lions test match. But you know, injury sort of hampered him a little bit. Um, yeah, Elliot Daly, you know, he's, he's a great outside break on him. He's a cultured left foot, doesn't make too many mistakes. Uh, maybe his tackling can be uh, criticised at times. But no, Mick, I can't turn around and say to you, look, I think they're nailed on to start. And I'm not sure Warren Gatlin has that either. It wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if Dan Beggar started at 10 and, and yeah. um, Owen Farrell started at 12. Like, it wouldn't surprise me the way that. Lions are able to get the South Africans on the edge if they can get an extra um, set of hands in there to get the ball wide. They certainly can't cause the South African team trouble. It's just getting it there is the problem. This up and in defence is so hard to, to, to bypass. Um, but if they can do that, they'll, they'll create opportunities. Maybe he wants the guy, but he just looks a little bit low in confidence or something. And you know, not captain and. Uh, Connor Murray is maybe something else you want to talk about Mark, or captaining at the weekend he's been called skips for the last three weeks then all of a sudden Alvin Jones comes in he's no longer called skips and he's um, not playing particularly well and people are now questioning should he be starting the first test so yeah it's uh, it's all a bit of a mishmash at the minute isn't it what do you think about that dynamic with Murray and then how, if if at all, it's affected his form because obviously he was playing the best rugby he'd been playing in a couple of years at least um, at the start of the tour and all the way, like you know, at the end of Ireland Munster season. But then, you know, he did, he came off the bench in the previous game, you know, made a couple of mistakes, and then obviously captain the team for the start yesterday and had a poor, poor game by his standards. Really, you know, like I don't know if anybody is there to replace him in the way that the Lions are playing. Um, with the amount that they're kicking and the amount and and the kind of more physical style that they want to play against South Africa, but at the same time, this isn't the Conor Murray of whatever the the, the 2020, 21 season that we've seen so far. Yeah, I think it's really tough on him. Like make it like if I, if I was announced as captain of the Lions, being wheeled out in front of the media, you know, doing all the duties. What a an unbelievable privilege and honour it is to captain the British and Irish Lions. And then, like, two and a half weeks later for it to be taken away from me again because, like, Alan jones is coming out to South Africa. He's probably already landed as we were chatting. And he's going to become the tour captain once again. So I know the captaincy changes from week to week. Or whoever's taking the pitch is Stuart Hall captaining the, the lads this weekend uh, from fullback against the Stormers. And that's, that's a huge honour in itself. But actually be given that armband for the tour... And then for it to be taken away, it's like if I was Conor Murray, I wouldn't be too happy about it. Um, <laughs> even though he's putting on a brave face and like he's coming out and saying all the right things, of course he's going to do that. But yeah, part of me wouldn't wouldn't be too too happy with it. Um, and that's the way it goes. Like Warren Gatlin makes big decisions, big times. We all remember dropping Brando Driscoll, leaving him out of the test team. You know, there was a media frenzy over that, um, and he got through that obstacle okay. Um, he's made a few big calls in his time as as head of the Lions and as head of uh, of Wales. 
not bringing Johnny Sexton was another huge um, point on going out on this tour. So like he's got very few big calls wrong, Mick. Um, yeah. So like you gotta probably back this one. Um, feel sorry for Connor Murray at the same time, but maybe this might be a weight off his shoulders that he can yeah. get back and just go out and play his own game and not have to talk to the referee as much and you know, leave that down to whoever's alongside him with the captain's armband. So yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll soon find out, Mick. <laughs> we'll soon find out if it's a good decision or not. If Murray is there, right, you, know, you would probably nail him on if you were to say then going through yeah. the team, you're looking at maybe Furlong, Atoji, probably Falatau still, and you know, I would say in, in Gatlin's mind, at least Tom Curry one way or another, either at, at six or seven. You're talking about Dan Bigger, I would think, at this stage, whether Farrell plays at 12 or not. And you're talking about Anthony Watson. I would say, is are they the only ones that we would say are nailed on at this stage? When you were there in 09, I know you got injured close enough to this time, but you yeah. were still there through the first test. Now, it's not as if Ian McGeekin was telling you guys, here's the test 15, but you would have a sense of it in the camp. Did you have a sense of more than six places nailed on? Come uh, we no, like so, so it was exactly the same. I get injured against the Cheetahs. Then the following week, it was against uh, playing against the Sharks um, in Durban, and then it was one week break until the test. So it's exactly the same situation that I sort of find myself in. Mm. I, I get injured like probably a few days ago. If that makes sense, um, and. I remember going to the Sharks game on crutches and then, you know, got back on my feet and went to the first test and watched it just as a spectator. Honestly, Mick, I had no idea where my place was in the squad, if I was in Ian McGeegan's reckoning, if I was going to... Uh, I knew I was playing well, of course, like Anthony Watson, Tom Curry, Atoji, Furlong, they know they're playing well. They, they know that they're going to be in with a shout. That's the way I felt. It felt like it was going to be in with a shout, but there was never any, you know tap on the shoulder or a quiet conversation with any of the coaches, never mind the head coach to say, you know, keep up the good work, you know, keep ahead of time, we'll, you know, keep yourself fresh, recover well, well, you'll hopefully be involved in the in the test squad. There was never any of that. So I think after this Stormers game, the lads will have a fairly good idea where they're at um, and where they stand. Um, and as a player, you probably want that get into the week pretty early on. You know, mm. that you are going to be, it's more mentally getting your head around what actually it means to, to play a test game at the, at the highest level, the pinnacle playing for the British Irish Lions. So, yeah, um, back in 2009, not a clue, but uh, I think you and I can definitely spot four or five lads is going to be um, on that test starting 15. And somebody else that I would throw in there is, you didn't mention him, I know it is Josh Adams. I think Josh Adams in one wing and Anthony Watson on the other wing is a, is a pretty sure thing at the minute. Okay. And hopefully they can start, you know, keep scoring more and more tries. Yeah, I actually, I, I actually had Van der Merva as somebody that like he's just been he's been so good in all his performances. And he's playing again at the weekend. You know, I just wonder would that mean that he will uh, he will get the nod? But maybe jo- Josh Adams has been outstanding, I suppose as well. But just in terms of definites, and you would imagine with Williams now in a HIA that you probably are going to see Hog more or less, you know, at least for week one, probably starting. But we'll see how that goes as well. There's definitely a lot of discussions to be had all over the field. And we'll talk about when, once we get the Stormer, Stormers game out of the way, we'll see, do, does Henshaw come? Does Jones get through it? Uh, you know, do lads shine? Is there another injury or two? You never know. So when we're having this conversation next week, we'll be picking our team 
close enough to when Gatland is picking his, I guess, you know, and we'll be a little bit surer of the lay of the land. But if I was to stop you on one more position, and that's the back row, we've mentioned there already that Hamish Watson, in a kind of a similar way, uh, as we were talking about to maybe Henderson, um, although he wasn't playing last night, I think importantly for Watson, you know, it's like, you know, they've been the star, they've been the flat track bullies in a way so far this year and how can they step up but we won't get a chance to see Watson in that but does he keep that place did he ever have it Tom Curry comes in the big game and does what you know he can do there was talk on the TV coverage yesterday that maybe you play Curry at six and Watson at seven and you have somebody like Ty Byrne or maybe even Laws and Byrne as you play you, you know you have an extra forward on the bench and you can have more options there so I'd be just intrigued to know what you think I think Jack Conan has been very very impressive so far as well but it's just it's unlikely to you know, Toby Faldell hasn't done anything wrong and he seemed like he was just so far ahead in that position. But it, yeah. I, I'm fascinated to know because it is, it's it's wide open as well in a way. If, even if it's just one position, it could be six or seven that's available. Yeah, like for me personally, I think the, the set piece is such a huge thing um, against the South, South Africans. You need bulk, you need size, you need power and um, you need a good line-out option at six. You know, you Rewind the clock back to 2009. Tom Croft got the nod. He was a brilliant player around the loose, but what a lineout option he was! Um, and he could, you know, quite, you could quickly turn to short man lineouts, keep Falatau out in the midfield, where he's really good at Tom Curry or Hamish Watson in the midfield as well, and have unbelievably strong launch plays, starter plays that uh, can can get these guys over the gain line. So I think he has to go with a big six. When I say big, I mean somebody who's very, very uh, astute in the line-out, um, can run a line-out himself if, uh, if things get tough. So the likes of Courtney Laws, Tagburn, both have played in the second row for, for Munster uh, and Northampton, respectively. So, uh, yeah, I think you know one of those two is going to probably start at six. When you come to the seven jersey, at the minute, just because of the level of opposition, I have to go with Curry. Um, and I know Hamish Watson has uh, played unbelievably well, but I just, you know, I just see that Tom Curry does everything that Hamish Watson does with just an extra couple of percent on the end of it, and that's the way I see it. And the way Hamish Watson likes to roam around a bit more, he is a bit more of a free spirit when he plays, and uh, might go a little more off script. Maybe the last 20 minutes, half an hour of a game will suit him better um, than Tom Curry. Uh, so, yeah. Like, that's the way I look at it. I think you're right about Falatai. It's all about getting the combination right, making sure that they work well together. And, um, you know, be interested to see how this back row goes this weekend. You know, I'm sort of ruling out Jack Conan. I don't know why, but I just think if you're going to have somebody on the bench, I'm not sure that you're going to have Jack Conan on the bench. No. A couple of the other lads. So, yeah, it needs a really big performance by him. And he's got it in his locker. He has 100% got it in his locker. He's a brilliant, brilliant player. But we just need to see it. You know, we need him to be head and shoulders above all the rest of the British and Irish Lions players on Saturday afternoon when they take on the Stormers for him to be given a chance because Warren Gatlin knows Toby Falatai inside and out, knows he performs on the big occasion and has trust and faith. Uh, for him to deliver so you know Jack's going to have to try and deliver him himself this Saturday yeah and hard to put a specialist eight as one of your bench players as well isn't it because there's not enough variation there so it's all fascinating I think I think last night really set it alive a little bit it turned it up turned up the volume it it stopped you know it it was a little bit in the background for some of us I have to say with with the Euros and everything else going on but you know 
the Lions were just going out beating teams for 50 points. What we saw last night then, a defeat, I think, Warren Gatlin said it might have done the Lions no harm. I think it might have done the Tour no harm in terms of yeah. everybody paying attention and turning the light on. So hopefully it's a good game at the weekend and we'll uh, we'll catch up next week as well and, and maybe see what that test team's going to be. Super, Mick. Thanks very much. Cheers for having me on. Thanks a million, Stevie. Um, don't forget, of course, um, thanks a million to Ladbrokes, as always, uh, here on the build-up. If you are having a bet on the Lions, on anything else at all in the world of sport, please always gamble responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net for more information. We'll be back with you with more build-up with Stevie as we look ahead to the first test of the Lions. It's really getting going now for the next few weeks, um, and we'll be back with them next week uh, right here. So stay with us. Mm-hmm.